0: chapter we're still in twelve. we're going to finish twelve um, today, and I think I think I'm not sure, but I think from here on out we're going to start taking them a chapter at a time, so we'll speed up here um, we're going to start taking taking them like all of chapter thirteen next week, all of chapter fourteen, and just start taking them a chapter at a time. I think if we hit a long chapter, we'll have to break it up, but you remember what happened last week? Abraham. I mean, it didn't happen last week, but remember what we read last week. Abram uh, received this promise, this covenant. You know, uh, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. Uh, those that bless you, I'm going to bless. Those who curse you, I'm going to curse. He ga- I mean, he gave these sweeping promises of of grace and covenant and relationship with God. And right about now. You're thinking, and we're thinking. Abraham, or I keep calling him Abraham; it's Abram still, but he is the man. I mean, if you look all through the Bible, Old Testament, even into the New Testament, they hold up Abraham as an example of faith. You know that the man, the man who is of faith, the faith to sacrifice Isaac, and the faith to do all these things. Romans chapter four, Paul talks all about Abraham and faith, and this is this is the faith guy. If you want an example of. You're supposed to be having faith. Let's Look at Abraham. And that's right. He did. He is. But what we're going to see is he's growing in that faith. That faith didn't just start on day one. That strong faith that, that conquers everything and able to sacrifice. It didn't just start on day one. He grew in that faith. And you're going to see one of those lessons. You're going to see him go to school right here in, uh, in chapter 12. Because he's going to do something really stupid. He's going to do something really stupid and sinful. And he's going to show a lack. Of faith, and that lack of faith, God's going to come, and God's going to God's going to fix the issue. But He is going to learn a great lesson, and we're going to see that lesson learned uh, here. So he says, remember, Abram, get out of your father's house, go to this land. I'm going to show you where it's at, and I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you all these things, and uh, you're going to uh, have the blessing of God, covenant on you, and all those kind of things. Well, the first thing that happens when he gets to where God called him to be... Is There's a famine in the land. Verse 10 in chapter 12 says, uh, and there was a famine in the land. And so just right off the bat, what would you be thinking if you were Abram? I mean, you have God called you to go to a land. He said, I'm going to give you this land. It's going to be your land, and you obeyed, left everything behind, and journeyed to where God told you to be, and the first thing that happened is there's a famine in the land. What would you be saying? God, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, well, gee, thank you for the land. You know what I mean? Thank you for the the great land you've given me that doesn't produce anything. It's barren just like my wife is. Remember, it said Sarah was barren. And so... That's what I would be thinking. It doesn't say he was thinking that, but I I believe something like that was going through his mind because the first thing he does is leave. The first thing he does is go down to Egypt. Now, there are some... There are some... people that you know debate uh, scholars commentators that debate whether it was a sin or whether he was wrong for going down to Egypt or whether that's just the proper thing to do because there wasn't any food um, it says in verse 10 there was a famine in the land Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was grievous in the land I am of the opinion and if you don't share the opinion it's not worth fighting over we can we can just talk about it it's not a, not an issue of salvation or anything like that. I'm of the opinion that it was not right for him to go to Egypt. And we're going to see that. Uh, I'm going to be able to show you the consequences of him going to Egypt, not just for what happens in Egypt, but because of the problems it causes later after he comes back out of Egypt. He is a man of faith. God has promised that he will be a great nation, promised him a seed, promised him the land. Is it possible, now this is a sticky question, but is it possible that Abraham would die of starvation in the promised land. Is it no. possible? No. No, it's not possible. Not now we're looking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. Now it's not possible because God made him a promise. Yeah. You will be a great nation. You will have a seed. You will possess this land. God promised. So he didn't, up until now you see Abram hearing a word from God moving. You know, come out of your father's house, go. Okay, I'm going. And then you see him go to this part, build an altar, call upon the name of the Lord. Then move to this city, build an altar, call upon the name of the Lord. And here, you don't see any of that. There's none of it. It just says there was a famine, so Abram cut town and went to Egypt. He went down to Egypt to sojourn there because there was a famine in the land. Um It almost seems like he didn't seek the Lord. He didn't, there's no word about him inquiring of the Lord. He doesn't build any altars in Egypt or anything like that. And there are going to be some very severe consequences of his decision to go to Egypt. So I take it, some people take it as this is just what you do. If there's no food, you go to where the food's at. You know, he's not really sinning or anything like that. But I take it as it's a a lack of faith on Abraham's part here. And we're going to see that this is not the only lack of faith on his part. Does anybody have any comment about that? I mean, anybody, it doesn't say Abram, don't go to Egypt, but neither does Abram inquire of the Lord or had receive a word from the well, Lord to go to Egypt. In future scripture it shows that, you know, we can go, we can fast forward into Exodus when the people were in the wilderness, you know, wondering and they were starving. God provided. Yes. And, you know, God has provided Abraham with everything he needs up to this point. I think it was just, you know, He freaked out. Yeah. And before we're too hard on Abraham, don't we do the same thing? freaked out too. I mean, not just with famine. I mean, let me look at us. None of us are really starving to death. But what you see here is a guy that is just responding to his circumstances. He's trying to fix it rather he's trying to fix it by his plan and he's expecting God to bless his plan rather than seeking God's plan and following that he's just responding to the you know problem comes up bang I'm gonna respond how I know how to respond and that's what I'm gonna do and then when something bad happens I'm gonna be like God why have you done this to me where are you you know he's doing what we all do you know a, a trial comes trouble comes problem comes and what do we do Do we do we fall on our knees and seek the Lord to God what am I supposed to do here what are you trying to teach me here? What do I need to know here? No, we just respond. We, I have reason. I have, you know, uh, uh, I have a plan, you know, well, if I work this, I can fix it and I can get around it. You're going to see that mentality throughout this whole story. You know, what's going to happen. If you've read this section, Abram is going to tell uh, uh, Sarah, say that my sister, you know, he's working the plan to get around everything in order to make life better for him. He's, he's just doing what he knows to do. He's not seeking the Lord, not not inquiring of Him, not worried about what God's purpose is. He is just doing what he knows to do. You know, problem comes up, this is what I know to do, this is what I'm going to do. And so he goes down to Egypt. It's It could be, it could be, and I thought about this this week, it could be that he is, he's trying to help God out with the promise. You know, God, now you promised... That I was going to be a great nation, I was going to have this land, I was going to have a seed, but there's no food here, so I'm going to help you out. I'm going to go on down to Egypt, I'm going to go where the food's at. Uh, it could be, you know, but I can't prove that, but it's just a, a thought. But if you look in verse 11 and 12, um, it says, where is that, yeah. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, um, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. If he had stopped right there, he'd have been okay, right? It's like, you sure are pretty. <laughs> but he says, therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall, shall see thee, they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. And so Abram, he is... He's scared of the Egyptians, right? He's scared of them. He 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 knows his wife's a hottie, and when the Egyptians see her, they're gonna they're gonna kill him and take her. That's what he thinks, anyway. But does it? it it's almost like. For me, you just got these two dangers. You got one, you got starvation, famine, right? And you got this other where he thinks these people are just barbarians and they're going to kill him and take his wife and all this kind of thing. He's more scared of the famine than he is the Egyptians because he's going to go down and try it anyway, isn't he? And he tells his wife, he tells his wife, "This this is what I want you to do. He says, verse 13, Say, I pray thee that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Now, what does that say? If you're Sarah, what are you thinking? Well, she's got to have a lot of faith and trust in him to just kind of go, okay. Yeah, uh, you got to have a lot of something. I mean, she I'm yes. sure she's probably it. You know, you would probably also look at it like, well, why is it all got to be about him? Yeah. I thought, well, excuse me. It, it just seems like he's all worried about himself, doesn't it? That it'll go well with me yep. because of you. You know, I'm, You know, and... It's almost like, now, this is something you need to know. We're going to see this again later on in Genesis. Sarai really is his half-sister. So it's not like he's lying, you know, just flat-out lying. If you write down verse uh, chapter 20, verse 12, it shows that Sarai is actually... Abram's father's daughter, but it's not his mother's daughter. It's his half sister. So he he probably is justifying himself. You know, you really are my sister. Let's just let's just say that you're a sister that way that way, you know. So it's a half white lie. Yeah, it's kind of a half white lie. And to be fair, let me explain this to you. It's not like it's not like Abram's pimping his wife out. You know what I mean? Like cuz what he's what he's expecting, what would happen normally is in in these in these ancient cultures is if you were the older brother and there's no father in the picture, if someone wanted to become a suitor of your sister, they'd have to come through you. They would have to be nice to you and give you the bride price and give you, you know, probably gifts and shower these things on. So, more than likely and I'm thinking this out loud, More than likely, Abram is not saying, you know, I'm just going to let all these dudes hang out with you so it'll be okay with me. More than likely, he's going down to Egypt to get food and he is planning on, you know, just holding off all these suitors because they're going to have to come through him in order to get his wife. And so he's planning on just... You know, taking these gifts from these guys and saying, "Well, we've got some other suitors, we've got some other people we're looking at," and just delaying until they can get back out of Egypt. You know, that that's more than likely what's happening. So it's not like he's going down there and he's just going to let a bunch of men have his wife. He's he's got a plan and he's working his plan. He's trying to get he's trying to work everything out where he can get you know where he can get uh, uh, free from this famine and, and and all these things. It almost seems like he's he's helping God with his with his. Promise, but you got to see it. He's only thinking about himself. He's only thinking, I can see him saying, if this was me, I can see me doing it. Like, where God has spoken to me and he's made me a promise. I'm going to give you a seed, give you a nation, give you this land. And now, all of a sudden, there's a famine. Uh, it doesn't look like the promise is going to be fulfilled. And so I go, to, I go to Sarah, I go to Dana, and I say, Look, we're going to have to go down to Egypt. And when they see how hot you are, they're going to kill me, and they're going to take you. So let's just say that I'm your sister, and we'll let all these guys just try to court you while we're getting food. And then, well, you know, we'll just hold them off, and then we'll, we'll get out of Dodge before anything happens. Um, Dana or Sarai would be like, "Um, what? You're going to let all these guys, you know? And I'm like, now, Dana... God made me the promise, okay? <laughs> so we have to protect me. We have to protect. I'm the one that the promise is all about. Remember, you know, it was a God made me the. I'm the. I'm Abram, and so therefore, you need to quit being so selfish. You know, you need to quit thinking about you all the. I can see. I can see that whole. That's just out of my mind, but I can see that whole thing playing out. All this is going through Abram's mind. He has not sought the Lord. He has not built an altar. He has not called upon the name. And Lord, he just takes off to Egypt and he's working his plan. He's working his plan to try to get by, get some food, and get out of Dodge before anything happens. Okay? Everybody with me? <clears throat> so it says, and it came to pass, verse 14, that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman. Notice from here to the next two or three verses, she's no longer called Sarai. She's called the woman. All of a sudden, she's objectified. She is she is an object to be traded back and forth. It says, and it came to pass, I mean, not really, that's just how they see her, that's what I'm saying. Uh, and it came to pass that when Abram was in Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, and she was very fair. Abraham called it just right. The Egyptians saw her, and she was, by this time, she'd have been about 65 years old. And so, she's a hot 65, I guess. She lived to be 125, so she's middle-aged, you know, middle-aged but our standards. And so, the princes, here's what, here's what he didn't expect. He thought, you know, when these men come and they want to court my court my sister, you know, they'll have to come to me and they'll have to deal with me and they'll have to do those things for me to give my blessing and, you know, we'll just kind of work, we'll work the system until we can get out of Egypt. What he didn't expect was Pharaoh to take notice of his wife and Pharaoh doesn't have to do the court and play. He doesn't have to play around with the, he just come and take what he wants. And so it says, the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken. Simple as that. They came and got her into Pharaoh's house, which means she became part of Pharaoh's harem. Okay? Now, all of a sudden, what do you think Abram's thinking? ruh <laughs> He has totally, not only has he been selfish, not only has he been uh, faithless, but now he 's risked not only his wife 's life uh, but his his marriage of course he 's risked that but now he 's risking the promise of god it 's him, himself i mean don 't you see if if Sarah stays in the harem and she 's pharaoh 's chick where's the son going to come from? Where's the, you know, where's the, whatever, you know, how's the promise going to be? By working his own plan and not trusting in God, not seeking the Lord's will, trying to fix it all in a worldly deal, the way he figured he could do it, by deceiving, saying, oh, she's my sister and all that. He has jeopardized the entire promise that God has made to him. Now, you need to also understand this. When it says she was taken and she was brought into the harem of Pharaoh, that doesn't mean that that night her her and Pharaoh were getting busy. You know, what I mean, what it means if you look at Esther, it would take like six months for them to prepare her and get her ready, and you know, before they present. her. So all this time, you know, I don't think I don't think anything happened between her and Pharaoh because as soon as as soon as uh, she goes, uh, Pharaoh starts. Let me just read it, and then I'll say I'm trying to tell you the story. The prince of Pharaoh saw her. They took her. She took her. And they took her and he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had and he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. So all of a sudden they come and get his wife. They knock on the door, Pharaoh's men, whoever, and they say, hey, we, uh, we know you got a hot sister. We're here to get her. And they take her. Now, Abram, he is stuck. How you think? What we you think Sarah's feeling? I'm worried hurting. Yeah. Like, um, you, you, you ain't going to say nothing? You ain't going to say nothing? My? They have taken her and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's in trouble now. And he's probably worried. She's probably terrified. And then the next thing you know, All these gifts start rolling in from Pharaoh all these, now I know it's like, it seems kind of demeaning now to say I'm going to trade my wife for a donkey, you know or whatever, but this list of stuff, maid servants and men servants and donkeys and female donkeys and camels and all these kind of things, that was, this list is kind of indicative of of wealth rich people, you know, they, that's what Job and and you're going to see Abram's flocks are going to grow and all these things, these are Pharaoh is treating him really well because he took what he thought was his sister and he is treating him, he's treating him good because of his his sister. And so it looks like even besides the fact that Abram's in trouble and he's just lost his wife, uh, Sarai, there's no telling what she's feeling. Like, you know, when the next time I see him, I'm going to stab him for what he's done for me. But more importantly, the kind of theme that we're going to see over and over again in Genesis is the promise of God is now in jeopardy. You're going to see that over and over. It's almost the theme all the way through Genesis. In every chapter, the promise of God is now in jeopardy. because Not because of an enemy from the outside, because of Abram's own stupidity, his own sin, has got in the way of the promise of God being fulfilled. Right now, if you're Abram, what, what would happen if you're Abram and you went to Pharaoh and said, um, Really, I, I told you a little story. She's really not my sister. She's my wife. Can I have her back? What do you think's going to happen to Abram? He's going to be killed. Yeah. Yeah. Pharaoh don't play. Pharaoh, yeah. It, it, not at all. He, would be, he, he and his wife would probably be killed and all of his stuff would be taken. So there's really absolutely nothing he can do but just sit there and say, it's over. I mean it's over. There's nothing there's nothing that I can do. Sarah is probably the same way. I mean she, she can't just run up to Pharaoh. First of all, she can't even see Pharaoh until she's prepared and, and you know, it was you know, if you look in the book of Esther and the Persia you see, you can't just run up into the king's chamber, you know. And so They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And because of their own stupidity, their own or Abram's stupidity and Abram's sin and his um, sinful leading of his wife, they have jeopardized. It looks like this is over. God's promise can never be fulfilled. And so a lot of times when we're reading this, we're going to talk about Abraham all the way up through a a lot of Genesis here uh, up until chapter 17, 18, 19, 20. And even beyond, I think, um, Abram is not the hero of the story. Joseph is not the hero of the story. Jacob is not the hero of the story in Genesis. God is the hero of the story. Abram is a lost puppy dog sitting in his house with all his camels and his donkeys, wishing he had his wife back, not able to do anything, and wishing that he hadn't jeopardized the promise of God, the covenant of God. And it's God that comes to the rescue. Look what God does. Verse 17. Uh, God is not going to allow Abram's stupidity. To make, what would happen if God's promise wasn't fulfilled? We would, have- we would be lost in our sins. Well, we would be lost in our sins for sure, but it would make God a liar, wouldn't it? Yeah. If God can promise something in chapter 12, verse 1, that Abraham's sin can nullify in chapter 12, verse 11, he's not much of a God, is he? And he's certainly not trustworthy. So God steps in. No, no, my promise is going to stand. My covenant is going to stand with you. And so verse 17 says, and the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Now, between 17 and 18, we don't know how, but Pharaoh finds out what the problem is. I mean, can you imagine? Hey, we got you this new hot chick for your harem. Okay, great. Bring her in. You know that's good. Now send send the brother all the donkeys in, and the next day you wake up and everybody's got sores all over their face. Yeah, I wonder if everybody had sores but her. Yeah, more than I would say yes. That you, we don't know how he found out. Maybe, um, maybe Sarah told somebody. You know, I mean that's I, I would. You know, if you if you were stuck in the harem. And you'd be freaking out, you'd be telling everybody look i'm I'm already married i'm you know maybe that's how Pharaoh found out. Certainly everybody in Pharaoh 's house broke out in whatever plague this was, except for Sarah, and he comes to Sarah and says, "Well, how come you don't have it? Well, let me tell you why I don't have it." <laughs> and so Pharaoh finds out that he has taken somebody else's wife into into his harem and that is why God, this God of Abram, is plaguing his house with whatever plague it was and uh, he realizes it and so verse eighteen says, "And Pharaoh called Abram and said, "What is this thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why sayest thou she 's my sister, so I might have taken her to me, so I might have taken her to me to wife. now, therefore, go behold thy wife uh, now, therefore, behold thy wife, take her, and go thy way now i don 't know if it seems this way to you, but it seems a little ironic that this is God's man. This is God's covenant man. And here this wicked pagan king is lecturing him on the sanctity of marriage. Yeah. I mean, evidently this Pharaoh thinks more highly of marriage than Abram does, because he was he was basically just uh, I won't say I won't say pimping out, but loaning out his wife so he could get some money in order to get out of Dodge and get back to the promised land. He was he was he was having a he had a, what's the word I'm looking for? He had a low view of his marriage, if he was just able to do that in the first place. And here is Pharaoh saying, look, if you would have said she was your wife, I never would have took her. I never would have done this." So all the way from the beginning, what was Abram afraid of? They're going to kill me and they're going to take you. He was afraid of of these people's lack of morals and when it comes down to it you've got the wicked the wicked Pharaoh lecturing God's covenant man on what it means to be moral and what it means to be good and what it means to be married. It doesn't even make much sense, does it? So what you see here is even Abram, even Abram, this this hallmark of faith, this one who, you know, we're we're we need to be emulating his faith. But even Paul says that in in Romans four, we're to be emulating his faith. Even he didn't start off that way. He learned he learned to trust. He learned to have faith. And so he says he says, um. You know Abraham was bar- Abram was bargaining with his wife, and Pharaoh says, "Why would you have done this?" And in verse twenty, something amazing happens. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, he and his wife, and all that he had. They got to keep together. Yeah, if I was Pharaoh, I'm like, "Give me back my donkeys, man! Give me back my donkeys! Give me back my camels! Give me back my..." Uh. Yeah. They kicked them out of Egypt, and I don't know. It could have been Pharaoh was scared of the Lord because of. I mean. Let's face it. The whole house come up with plagues, and look, just take it all and get out of my city. And you're going to see Abram never goes back to Egypt. This is his last. This is the last time he'll ever be in Egypt. And he they leave Egypt with all their stuff. He gives them safe passage. How are How are you feeling now? If you're Abram, somewhat relieved. You'd be uh, relieved, but you'd be embarrassed. You'd be shamed yeah I mean th- think about you go hug your wife and kiss her real good yeah we think you think she'd return the hug? I hope she would <laughs> <laughs> Sarah walks in the house, she's back. Where do all these donkeys come from? What do you think she's thinking Come on y'all. You traded me for some donkeys. You what? You know, you, you can imagine I if I, could, I get a picture of them walking back to the promised land with Sarah following Abram going, I don't even believe how you could have possibly have done that. What? I mean, what a long walk that would have been, you know, back. Then. And so Abram, not only has he let his wife down and family down, he has. He has doubted God. He has, he's put God's promise in jeopardy. And if it had not been for God supernaturally stepping in and just plaguing the whole house of Pharaoh, uh, the covenant would have been broken, covenant would have been nullified. But God is a God who keeps his word and he will, he won't even allow, we know that the enemies, we're going to see Abram fight some enemies as we go through Genesis. We're going to see that God is going to cause Abram to prevail over his enemies, but God also won't let Abram's sinful heart get in the way of God keeping his promise. And that's the same that goes for us. He is not going to let you and I, there's nothing in heaven and earth, there's nothing inside of us that can annul God's promise to us. And he's made promises through his son, through Christ. We have all that, uh, we have uh, all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ and there's absolutely nothing that you and I can do or can be done to us that will nullify the covenant that we are in with Christ. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Okay, so never returns to Egypt. Let me just do the first three or four verses uh, and then we'll, we'll, of the next chapter and we'll talk about that. We'll go back and do these again next week, but I, I just need you to see this for like a punctuation mark on the end of this story. And so Abram went out of Egypt he and his wife and all that he had, Lot was with him unto the south, into the south, the Negev, that's back to the, when it says the south, the south of the promised land. So they're going back to the, the south part of the promised land and Abram was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold. How did he get that way? pharaoh now he 's probably rich before, but in no, in no small way, Pharaoh had contributed to his, all his wealth and But look what happens i want to show you two things: first thing, look what Abram has learned in his journey. This is what he did. He says, and he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and AI. Unto the place of the altar where he had made there at the first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. What had Abram learned in his journey in Egypt? he go back to where you started. Yeah, he go back and recover the faith that you started out of. He went and he did something really stupid. And God delivered him and it, it, it caused him to grow. It caused him to learn. And he went back to the very beginning where he first started in the promised land. Where he first built the altar and he began once again to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, one of the questions that arises when you talk about this story is, it looks like Abram profited from his sin, doesn't it? It looks like... Hey, you know, it's a good thing he went down to Egypt, but you're going to see that there are some very dire consequences because of what he did. Not the least of which is probably his relationship with Abram, uh, with uh, with Sarah and, and all those kind of things. But in the very next section, what we're going to do next week is we're going to see now instead of a famine, a problem arises. And the reason the problem arises is because Abram's so wealthy. Now the land can't sustain him and Lot together. And so they're going to have to separate, and it causes Lot going to move towards Sodom. And so this issue, all of a sudden, Abram's, Abram and Lot are too wealthy. They can't, the land can't sustain them. First, it was a famine in the land. Now it's just not enough where they can't stay. We'll talk about that next week. But what I want you to also see is in chapter 17 of Genesis, we're going to be introduced to a little pretty little girl, an Egyptian handmaiden called Hagar. Where do you think Abram got an Egyptian handmaiden? There's going to be some dire consequences for Abram going down into Egypt. He's going to come back with this Egypt. He never goes back down to Egypt again. He's going to come back with Sarah a handmaiden named Hagar and from Hagar and Sarah all kind of commotion and trouble and turmoil and a whole people group is going to come that are going to be rebellious against God. And rebe- So you can't really say, well, it was a good thing he went to Egypt because now he's wealthy. Yeah, he got a lot of donkeys and he got a lot of silver and he got a lot. But the results on his family, the results on the nation, the results on the world as this people group has grown out of Ishmael and Hagar and all is catastrophic. So he he is he did get a lot of stuff from Pharaoh, but the consequences were severe of his of his unfaithfulness that he went down to Egypt. Everybody got me? You understand? So you can't really say, well it was good. You know, God's going to protect me from my there's still going to be consequences. God protects David as well. When David goes into Bathsheba and he does all that kind of stuff, God protects him and restores him and you can say, well, it's all good but David lives with serious consequences. His children die. The sword comes to the nation. The kingdom splits. All of that comes from the sin. So you can't say that, well, Abram did good. He, He sinned and God made it all right so it's okay for me to sin. No. Abram had to live. It was, it it broke his heart. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but it broke Abram's heart when God refused to choose Ishmael for the promise and instead chose Isaac. He said, well, Isaac hadn't been born yet but Abram pleaded with God, God, please make Ishmael your promised son. God said, nope he's not going to be and it broke Abram's heart. So the consequences of sin and unfaithfulness are are awful in Abram's life. So it wasn't just it's not just all about the silver and gold. The point that the point that we need to see as we close is that God is always going to keep his promise. Even if he has to break somebody down to do it. He's going to keep His promise. And the second thing is, when you and I do something stupid, when we, we experience unfaithfulness that causes consequences in our life, there's always, for us who believe in Christ, there's always a way back. He says He went yeah. back to the beginning, back to where He started, and He went back, He received forgiveness from the Lord, He called upon the name of the Lord, went back to the altar, and He started again. And in the next section, I keep saying, it, it, the, all these kind of connect together, you're going to see Abraham, Abraham learn something. Because here he's selfish and he's putting Sarah at risk. And when Lot says, you know, we need to separate, Abraham doesn't think of himself. He says, look, you just pick which way you want to go. And I'll go the other way. Abram had grown in his faith. He had grown in his understanding of God's promise. He didn't have to fight for the best part. He knew God was going to take care of him because He made me a promise. So y'all see everybody with me? Any questions, comments? Mm-hmm. Well, God, I know that. I mean, I know you. He said after he got there, and there was famine. It was like, you know, hey God, what are you doing? I wouldn't be that way. I would be. Did I misunderstand? Oh uh, yeah, I guarantee you. When, when I feel like God's <clears throat> promised me something, or I've heard you've God, I doubt what I heard. Right. Instead of doubting God. Right, and I think that's common to us all. I find myself <clears throat> doing that uh, all the time. I, uh, especially when it comes to you know, I know I know God will do it, but I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know if I'm you know, and the reality is, um, it, it, at least in this episode. Abram didn't do anything the way he was supposed to do. He didn't do anything the way he was supposed to do. And God still was faithful to his word. So, I I keep wanting to fast forward. In chapter 15, we get there. That's my favorite chapter of Genesis. It's where God actually stamps the covenant with Abram. And he does it himself. Abram has no part. There's no nothing for abram to fulfill there's no standards there's no things you do this and then i'll do this it's all god i'm promising you this and this is what's going to happen and we're going to see it as we get there god's promises and calling are irrevocable and so he is going to fulfill his word if he if he promises you if he promises you a promise in scripture where you know you got you just pick your promise supply your every need according to his riches and glory whatever He is going to fulfill His Word. Even when my own stupidity tries to mess it up, He's going to fulfill it. Now, He may do it with a plague. (laughs) He may do it with a butt whipping. He may do it in a way that I might not like, but He's going to do it. And when we fall prey to our own sin, our own stupidity, our own mistakes, our own sin in our life... We always go back to the beginning, back where you built that altar, back where you, back where, back to where we'll see Jacob go back to your Bethel, yep. and you you call upon the name of the Lord. Okay, everybody with me? Mm-hmm. Questions, comments? Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alright, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. We know they'll always be fulfilled in your time. And we thank you, God, that even when we even when our own flesh tries to get in the way, that we know that, that that you are more powerful than anything that we are, anything that we can do, and you will always keep your promise no matter what it takes. Father, help us to go back to that altar where we built with you. Help us to go back to that faith. Help us to go back to, uh, go back to the cross and just to trust in what you have done and understand that we are favored in your eyes because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.